NER Out Loud, the official podcast of the New England Review. This podcast animates stories and poems through vocal performances, celebrating the artistic exchange between text and voice. I'm Kylie Winger, host of this second episode, which brings you poems by three well-known and much-loved American writers, Bob Hickok, Victoria Chang, and C.K. Williams. They're read by members of Oratory Now, a center for training and research in oral expression at Middlebury College. The theme of this episode is the art of listening, and we think that if you tune in and turn off the noise, you'll see why. These poems were recorded not by their own authors, but by readers who turned their full attention to the written words, giving themselves over to the language and story of each poem. After all, no piece of writing is really complete until it's read, and poems in particular invite us to read them aloud. For this episode, we invite you to put on your headphones or cue up your car speakers on a long, quiet road and listen closely. The first poem is Sweet by Bob Hickok, read by Pele Vonkajovi. My habit in December is to peel an orange as I walk. Bits of peel in my pockets, pants that smell of Florida. And sometimes approach a car at an intersection, tap on the window, interrupt the driver's rapture of watching for the green light of release. I'm sworn at by most, flipped off, or ignored with the same passion I'm ignored by God. But she rolled down her window when I made the motion of a crank with my hand, took the half I offered, the sweetness of a warmer sky, and ate the slices in front of me, with me as I my equal measure devoured, then left our common life together, the only moment of our eternal bond, the link that will play out as a long string between us, no matter what pleasures advanced by other days. We looked at each other and ate bits of a world, making the most of the sun, of the light that is blowing away into nothingness. The moment so small, so precise. It was easy to love everything we knew of each other. I had a gift, and she had a desire to accept that gift. We were whole, we were cured, had advanced the course of being ever so slightly along the path it wanders with us. Little bits of dust caught in its hair. That was Sweet by Bob Hickok. Hickok worked for many years in the automotive dye industry and in computer programming and is known for his accessible, meditative poems about everyday life. His poems have appeared frequently in the New England Review since 1999, as well as in magazines such as The New Yorker, Poetry, and American Poetry Review. He's the author of nine collections, most recently Hold, published in 2018, and Sex and Love, published in 2016. Hickok has taught creative writing at Western Michigan University and Virginia Tech. Sweet was originally published in the New England Review in spring 2016. 
It was read by Pele Vonkajovi. Pele, who was born in Japan to a Ghanaian father and a Japanese mother, moved to Ghana when he was nine months old and lived there for most of his childhood. He went to the United World College in Costa Rica for the last two years of high school, and now he's a senior at Middlebury College. These next poems are part of an ongoing series called Obit by Victoria Chang. Inspired by the form of the newspaper obituary, each of these poems appears on the page in a narrow column. Here are three of them, Obit Memory, Obit Music, and Obit Grief, read by Katie Myopoulos. Obit. Memory. Memory. Died August 3rd, 2015. The death was not sudden, but slowly, over a decade. I wonder if, when people die, they hear a bell. Or if they taste something sweet. Or if they feel a knife cutting them in half, dragging through the flesh like sheet cake. The caretaker who witnessed my mother's death quit. She holds the memory and images, and now they are gone. For the rest of her life, the memories are hers. She said my mother couldn't breathe, then took her last breath 20 seconds later. The way I have imagined a kiss with many men I have never kissed. My memory of my mother's death can't be a memory but is an imagination. Each time the wind blows, leaves unfurl a little differently. Obit. Music. Music. Died on August 7th. 2015. I made a video with old pictures and music for the funeral. I picked Hallelujah and Acapella because they weren't really singing, but actually crying. When my children came into the room, I pretended I was writing. Instead, I was looking at my mother's old photos, the fabric patterns on all her shirts, the way she held her hands together at the front of her body. In each picture, the small brown purse that now sits under my table. At the funeral, my brother-in-law kept turning the music down. When he wasn't looking, I turned the music up because I wanted these people to feel what I felt. When I wasn't looking, he turned it down again. At the end of the day, someone took the monitor and speakers away. But the feeling was still there. This was my first understanding of grief. Obit. Grief. Grief, as I knew it, died many times. It died trying to reunite with other lesser deaths. Each morning I laid out my children's clothing to cover their grief. The grief remains but is changed by what it is covered with. A picture of oblivion is not the same as oblivion. My grief is not the same as my pain. My mother was a mathematician, so I tried to calculate my grief. 
My father was an engineer, so I tried to build a box around my grief, along with a small wooden bed that grief could lie down on. The texts kept interrupting my grief, forcing me to speak about nothing. If you cut out a rectangle of a perfectly blue sky, no clouds, no wind, no birds, frame it with a blue frame, place it face up on the floor of an empty museum with an open atrium to the sky. That is grief. That was Obit Memory, Obit Music, and Obit Grief by Victoria Chang. Chang's fourth book of poems, Barbie Chang, was published in 2017. Her previous collection, The Boss, won a Penn Center USA Literary Award and a California Book Award. She also edited an anthology, Asian American Poetry, The Next Generation, and has received a Poetry Society of America Award for her manuscript in progress, Obit. She lives in Los Angeles with her family and her wiener dogs, Mustard and Ketchup. These three obits were originally published in the New England Review in fall 2017. They are read today by Katie Myopoulos. Katie graduated from Middlebury College in 2018 with a joint degree in sociology and Spanish. She's currently in her first year of Teach for America in New Orleans, where she teaches high school Spanish. Our last poem is, I Shot a Frog, I Shot a Bird, by C.K. Williams. This is one of the last poems published by Williams before his death in 2015, and it is read today by Will Cook. I shot a frog. It had been squatting, apparently waiting for something, Perhaps the end of the world, I thought, from its obstinate stillness on a rock at the edge of a tiny pond, I'd say no more than a yard edge to edge. The frog was small, too, not one of those big bulls that lurk in the reeds by a lake who can scare you so solemn they're so sure of themselves, their fat selves, with their downturned mouths and great oinks. I shot the frog, the very small frog, with a Winchester twenty-two caliber rifle, because there was nothing else to shoot there right then, or nothing but an inanimate target, and how boring that had become. Meaningless thwacks into wood, once or twice splinters, and the thing was half-blasted apart. So, so what? Then there was the frog, and my rifle lifted itself, as though by itself, aimed as though by itself, read as though by itself, and the frog... Well, the frog vanished. Not even a splash or sprinkle of blood, not even a cloud of blur the way computers do it these days for films. Just gone, disappeared, vanished, kaput. Frog? No frog. I wasn't pleased. This was not as I'd planned it. I'd shot the frog because I wanted to shoot the rifle again someone had loaned me to amuse myself with. I'd already felt the subtle painless jolt in my shoulder each time it went off, that very benign but definite crack in more than your ear. You sense it in the drum of your chest, in the tangle even, of your groin. Nothing like pain, nothing really like pain, but a definite crack, a definite jolt. 
I shot a bird. This was another year, though, the same rifle, the same person letting me use it. He was sick in bed, but nothing serious, a slight fever. He just couldn't go out. I remember there was nothing to do, so we took the rifle out of the closet and a bunch of those inconsequential appearing bullets, hardly half an inch long, and shot out the window, first at a paper target I stuck on a tree, but that was boring. Then he had a model plane he'd made as a kid hanging from his ceiling of his bedroom, and I suggested, what about that? And he said, why not? He was over that kid stuff. So I hung the plane, some war plane, a Messerschmitt maybe, from a branch in the tree, and we were going to take turns, but on my first shot, my bullet blew it apart. Nothing was left but a string swaying, nothing to shoot but the string, and who shoots at string? Then a sparrow, I think, or a lark, I can't bring it back quite so long ago was it, I only picture some common sparrow or lark flittering down to the branch next to the one the plane had hung from. And my rifle still in my arms, as they will, I've mentioned, they will, lifted itself, aimed itself, for I had such incompetent aim, my hands would tremble, the sight thing on the rifle's far end would swing back and forth, and almost always I'd miss, except with that frog. And now this bird. Foolish thing to have stopped there right then. Foolish thing to land there and stay there how long, half an instant on that branch, and the gun went off as they will, and the jolt jolted my shoulder, and the bird fell. It didn't vanish, though, as had the frog. It didn't take itself out of the world. It just had no head any longer. It lay on the ground whole, but headless. Do you believe me? There was no head on that bird, only a body, headless, therefore frightening, therefore repulsive. Broken clump in the dirt, wings tucked into its body as though it still lived, flightless and broken in the dirt, almost the same color as dirt. Or so I remember. I'm not making it up. I swear everything else here is true, so why would I make up a bird? Haven't I proved I aimed a gun, shot a gun, had fun with a gun? Had fun with a gun with a gun? That was I Shot a Frog, I Shot a Bird by C.K. Williams. One of the most celebrated U.S. poets in recent memory, C.K. Williams published several collections of original poems, volumes of translations and criticism, and a memoir. He was especially known as an original stylist, and his characteristic line is extraordinarily long. He won nearly every major award for his poetry, including the National Book Award, a National Book Critic Circle Award, a Pulitzer Prize, and a Los Angeles Times Book Award. His first book, Lies, came out in 1969 and in 2012 he published his 19th book of poetry, Writers Writing Dying. I Shot a Frog, I Shot a Bird, was published in NER in spring 2015. It was read by Will Cook. Will is originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and is a double major in theater and English in the Middlebury College class of 2021. When he is not performing, Will loves writing, playing and watching sports, and making music with his band.
and we thought it might be interesting to hear a little from Will about the process of reading and recording this poem. Here's what he had to say. You want to have a, a natural tone in, in reading poetry because it, especially in this case, it's a reflection and it's telling a story. And so one note I got was, you know, who are you telling the story to? Which I think is a really important thing, obviously, to keep in mind, both reading and writing poetry. But then also just where do pauses make the most sense? Where does a break in the flow make the most sense in the context of the poem itself? One of the really difficult things about this particular poem is there's very limited punctuation. And so I think there's one instance, frog, no frog, where they're separated by lines. There's no punctuation that separates them. And so it's in those places where it's like, okay, in theory, I could just say frog, no frog. But it just makes more sense, I think, reading and hearing it for there to be frog. There's that pause. There's sort of the implication of what happens during that pause. No frog. Future podcasts may include conversations with the readers and authors, snippets from the recording studio, or audio from the annual NER Out Loud live event held right here in Middlebury, Vermont. For more poems, stories, and essays, visit the New England Review online. And if you like what you hear, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help more people find the show. And subscribe. This episode of NER Out Loud was recorded on the Middlebury College campus in Middlebury, Vermont. NER Out Loud is produced by the New England Review in association with Middlebury College and Oratory Now. Our readers today were Pele Vonkajovi, Katie Myopoulos, and Will Cook, with poems by Bob Hickok, Victoria Chang, and C.K. Williams. This episode was directed by Sam Tompkins-Martin and produced by Ellie Eberly, Hannah Green, Juliette Luini, and me, Kylie Winger. Our original theme music is by Thomas Wentworth. Special thanks to Elizabeth Sutton and Marcy Pomerantz. If you have a favorite piece from the magazine you'd like to hear read aloud, email us at nereview at middlebury.edu. I'm Kylie Winger, and this is NER Out Loud, the official podcast of the New England Review. Thank you for listening.